the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Welcome to Brave, a new four-part podcast series from Headstrong, looking at young people's mental health as we emerge from a global pandemic. I'm Martin Saunders, and with me in each of these episodes is Dr. Kate Middleton. Hello. Hello. It's really good to be here. Yeah, thank you. And I wonder whether we could just start by dispelling, you know, people's you know, they may have some conceptions straight away about who you are as Kate Middleton. Well, it is always confusing. Yes. Yeah, so you're not yeah. married to a, um, a a future king of England. Uh, well, not last time I checked. I, I don't want to insult my, my dearest at home, but no, I don't think so. No. I I've just said that. Is she actually going to be queen? Kate, will she be queen, Catherine? I have absolutely no idea. You are well, now questioning my knowledge of the royal family. And well, I, I would imagine think, you no, would have you're deep, beyond me now. deep knowledge. It's like when people ask me about Meghan Markle. I knew nothing about the royals at all. Really. Well, look, so you don't look anything like Kate Middleton. Um, Thank you very much. And I look, just to give you a mental picture, listeners, if you don't know me, I look like Sue Perkins from, uh, from the television. So, um, you know, that's, you can imagine Sue Perkins interviewing someone who doesn't look like Kate Middleton. That's basically, that's the picture you need in your head. For that's exactly what's going on right now. Four episodes. Yeah, okay. so, um, so just, but tell us who you really are, Kate. So I am a psychologist by background and a church leader. So I've been working in the church in various contexts for almost 20 years, which wow. makes me slightly alarmed at how old I must be. And um, I'm also one of the directors of the Mind and Soul Foundation. So we're a national organisation. We are all about mental and emotional well-being. And that's not just like the illness end, which is the thing that everybody's mind jumps to when you talk mental health. It's the bigger question of what it means to do life really well, to really thrive and to manage tough times, unusual times. So the last 18 months has been a little bit busy. And you also, you have young people in your life very close to home as well, don't you? It's probably just worth throwing in those. I do. My in-house tester group would be my daughter, who is has just turned 16 and is starting college at the moment, and my son, who is nine. So I, I like to think they're either ends of the adolescent spectrum, yeah. like becoming fully adult and actually more scarily capable than I think I am on most days. And my son, who is very much early adolescent. Yeah. And as a parent of teenagers and children myself, I'm just... Tell anyone who's listening, it's the easiest thing in the world, isn't it? Bringing up kids and teens. It's an absolute piece of cake. Oh, my goodness. I prefer being the psychologist because <laughs> yeah. it turns out you get to be right a lot more. <laughs> and actually, what's been really weird for me in this last season, but also kind of wonderful in a sort of intense, I might go completely crazy any minute way, is that I have done life in this really intense way with my two kids. Mm. We've journeyed through this together. And I don't think I've ever had a season where I've been applying more the stuff I usually teach and talk to teenagers in other contexts to my own situation and the conversations I've just been having with my own kids about how does it feel to do life in a moment where it feels like the world has gone crazy, yeah. to manage uncertainty, to deal with stress and anxiety and all those kinds of emotions and change and all of that sort of stuff. So that feels like a good way into Brave, which is the title of this uh, podcast, but also a wider initiative from Headstrong. So just tell us a little bit about this idea. What is Brave? Yeah, so Brave 
rave is about what the gift that we would love to give to all the young people in our life, whether it's as parents, youth workers, teachers, whatever your context is with those young people. And what we want to do is equip them, not just to sort of model through the stuff that life is throwing at them, but come through it well. And in a world that is complex, to, to, to find joy and happiness in life in spite of difficulty, but also to release everything that God has made them to be, to find themselves in that space where they can be the best version of themselves and, and have that sense of doing the stuff that they were created to do. So Brave is about enabling and equipping young people and it does sit in this context where normally when we talk about mental health and well-being our minds immediately go to illness and and brave is kind of the opposite of that it's saying let's help them to manage what life is thrown at them so not only hopefully can we help them not become ill but we can actually release and enable and equip them to manage it as well as possible great so there are four kind of sections to this there's four topics that we're going to look at over these four uh, episodes uh, and those are just to give you a roadmap of where we're going we're going to look at tough stuff uh, today and really kind of unpack the the basic level of what it means to emerge from pandemic uh, we look at control uh, failure and identity um, and uh, those sound like pretty big subject areas I'm also thinking gosh those are all areas in which I need some help so I'm just going to sit and listen to you um, but just before we um, so as we start thinking in this first episode about about tough stuff and the just reflecting one more time on what it's been like to go through the last year and a half. Just before we start to apply it to the young people who we might work with, mm. what 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 has this meant for us as leaders who, you know, work with young people, as adults who work with young yeah. people? Um, you know, what we have been through, let's be honest, profound trauma together. It's different to the trauma you might go through in in other parts of the world or in other cases but it still is truly you know massive disruption so what's what's happened for us and what now does it mean to emerge well yeah and I, and I think it's really important to say right at the start that thinking about how all of these issues affect us as well is actually it's it's not just okay it's really important because young people don't exist in a vacuum they exist in relationship with you whether you're their youth worker or parent and, and one of the things about pandemic has been that it has affected us all, but it's affected us in very different ways. So in order to support young people well with this and all of the topics that we're going to talk about, thinking about our own understanding of them and how they've affected us, that's just as important as thinking about young people. You can't treat it as an us and them when you're working with young people. You have to recognize that the, that the way that we're managing stuff affects how they manage stuff. And pandemic... One of the most difficult things in this moment is understanding why it's affected you so greatly. Now, now let me say straight away, for some people, there are really obviously traumatic things that have happened. And some people have experienced bereavement, maybe frontline workers who've seen things, experienced things, been pushed to the edge. They have experienced stuff that we would understand as more classically traumatic. Mm -hmm. So stuff that's outside of your usual experience, stuff that's emotionally very triggering and very distressing. But for us all, this has been a type of collective trauma. And the reason is because it has challenged some of the foundational things that we used to just assume would always be true. It's, it's, it's like Jenga. It's the building blocks that you've built your life on. And while some of those building blocks, just like in Jenga, you, you can kind of tease them out and it's not a big deal. 
There are there are foundational concepts that you understand about yourself and the world that that if they move or get displaced, suddenly everything feels at best a little bit wobbly and at worst, like the whole thing might fall down. And what that does to your mind is your brain starts to scream out, we, we need to understand this better, we need to process the wider meaning of it. And, and your brain does that with emotions. It uses emotions to make sure that some of these things are at the front of your mind. So we have been through a season that is asking us all to do some, some work, to use the sort of classic term. And, and we've also been through a season that's been unusual in how drawn out that, that sort of crisis stage has been. Your, your brain goes on to a kind of emergency setting when it hits crisis, which is very functional. It's, it's about sort of doing what you need to do in that moment and suppressing a lot of the emotion and, and wider questioning and processing until later when the crisis mm. is over. You know, it's like deal with what you need to now. You can think about it later. But for us in pandemic, that, that season lasted like, what, 18 months? It's a long time. And that's, that's exhausting for your mind. And it becomes increasingly difficult. You know, holding emotions down is like trying to keep a beach ball underwater. You have to constantly focus on it. Otherwise, it pops up somewhere. And by the end of pandemic, I don't know about you, but for me, it started to feel like emotional whack-a-mole, you know, because yeah. there's just so much that you cannot change and you can't deal with and you haven't got the headspace to think about it right now. So, you know, an emotion pops up, like, I, I want to go and visit that person, but I can't because they're in a nursing home or they're shielding. Mm. And it's like, bang, squash that emotion. I'll have to deal with that later. And yeah. then a frustration about not being able to do something else pops up and bang, you just have to suppress it. And what that means now in this season is that in some ways it's emotionally more complex because now as we start to process and get back to something resembling normal, which varies mm. depending mm. on your context, your brain is suddenly letting all of those emotions emerge and bubble up. And yeah. so the need to process, the need to deal with what on earth just happened becomes quite challenging. And your brain is still very fatigued. I don't know about you, my brain is still not functioning. I don't feel normal, if, if that's an okay thing to admit. I don't, I don't mean that I've turned into a different version of myself, but just things like your memory your ability to be basically coherent at the best of times, just feeling still really quite exhausted. A lot of people are still in that place because they're still needing to process. And, and just to throw into that, there's also still a looming spectre that things might get worse again. You know, and we don't know quite what that means. I don't think any of us fully believes that we're sort of heading back for exactly the same kind of thing we've just been through. But there's still that kind of thought that the winter might be bad. That what does that mean yeah. for Christmas? So what does that do? Because your brain is still, all the moulds have popped up from the imaginary Kate Middleton whack-a-mole machine. But also you're thinking, wait a minute, I might have to suppress them all again because... There's this threat of things might yeah. not quite be over. So there's still the fear. And it's tantalizingly close, isn't it? Like maybe actual routine. It's mm. so exciting. Like potentially in a week's time, all the people in my household might not be in my household, which for me is quite wildly exciting. Wow. I mean, I might not be in there. That's wildly exciting. I might be in London or out doing normal stuff. But can we relax? Can we allow ourselves to settle back into that? And, and I think that's one of the wider questions that our minds are having to grapple with. What is it going to mean to be doing life in this, you know, 2021, 20, 22 beyond world? Because mm. it feels suddenly different, doesn't it? And I think for young people in particular, I'm hearing that a lot. Mm. 
they feel a weight of recognition of something about the season that they are now growing up in. And we as their leaders also feel that weight. But you know what? It turns out maturity sucks. We need to figure this stuff out so we can help them figure it out. Because our job is to lead them and to support them and grow them because ultimately they are the generation who are who are hopefully going to solve it and sort it all out. So, so before we talk about them, do, do we do you have some practical thoughts about what it looks like for us to process well or to emerge well? Well, well maybe we can talk about all of us at the same time because mm-hmm. I think when we talk about tough stuff, because that is what this first week is about, it's about those moments when life does throw something at you that is unexpected, that's traumatic, either because of its suddenness, so that might be accident or exposure to violence or something like that, or it might be something that's traumatic because it has challenged something foundational about your life. You know, sometimes our biggest difficulty is understanding, like, why? Why am I reacting to this like this? You know, the same thing can happen to a bunch of the same friends or the same leadership team or the same family mm. and, and and all except one doesn't think it's a big deal. But then that one person is like, man, it feels like my world has been shaken. Yep. So understanding why you're reacting like you are is often part of the challenge. And, and when that kind of tough stuff hits, that first moment is about just dealing with that, that shock. And literally, you know, when something hits you and it is like you feel almost cold, that flare of of the physiological emotion that your your body is triggering in order to help your brain just deal with what's just happened. Mm. And and that is pushing your mind into a kind of emergency space as I've said. Mm. And and that in the short term is very functional but what it does mean your instinct is all about finding safety, withdrawing, getting yourself out of that situation and finding a space where you can then start mm-hmm. to process. So let's talk about young people. Um, we've um, we've all probably got a, a fair idea of some of the issues that young people have faced that have been unique to them. So, um, I mean, we talk quite a lot about the mental health time bomb facing young people. That's a sort of accepted phrase in our culture at the moment. Maybe that needs unpacking a bit. Um, but, but also, you know, it's been different for young people in the way that they've had to process, you know, not doing exams and mm. am I being assessed by my teacher and, oh, hang on, you know, how does, how does education even work? Cause I'm doing it on a screen from home. So, you know, it'd be great just to, even though we know some of them, just to sort of talk about some of the big tough stuff that young people particularly yeah. processed. And, and some of that is, is obvious. And very similar for us. So just the uncertainty, the, d- the degree of change, just the, the literally everything being taken out of life. And, and they've experienced that in the same way as we have. Let, let me share some good news because we don't hear a lot of that when we're talking mental health and young people. And I think there is a lot of good news. But one thing is that they, they actually do a lot better with that than we do as adults. And, and you might have seen that in your household. I definitely saw it in mine. And when I talk to young people in schools at the moment... I'm hearing that a lot. Actually, that initial change, you know, lockdown, the, the shock of that happening, which for us as adults is usually the first thing adults talk about, about like, man, that I felt like I was reeling. What on earth happened? I was so stressed. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. Young people say, actually, I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. Because the, the, when we talk about those foundational building blocks that you build life on, they are formed in adolescence, your understanding of how the world works, who you are, how you interact with it. So that means teenagers, all that stuff is still up for grabs. You know, you take someone who is our age, 
so you know obviously very very youthful and young but let's say we've been doing life a few decades Mm -hmm. we've been assuming those things to be true all of that time so if you change them our brain is like you you what are you kidding me whereas a young person is like okay let's do everything different let's say the world is totally different to what we ever thought that's okay i'm up for that and so we saw that and actually if you talk to a lot of young people, they will say they found that first stage easier because a lot of things went away. They didn't have to go to school. A lot of the stresses and challenge of their life was mm. taken away from them. A lot of them kind of liked it. Mm. And they, some of them kind of liked, you know, it's not that earth shattering, not having to do exams. Of course, it turned out to be more complex later. But so some of those changes were easier for them than we expect. Obviously, there was a lot that, that was challenging in the same way it was for us. Let me just say one other thing that I think is interesting, because I don't want to say all the stuff that's obvious, but I think one of the hardest things that young people have had to deal with in this season is is dealing with the fact that we weren't dealing with it very well. So whether that's in their own household, whether it's the reality of politicians and promises and just what does it look like when grown-ups try and handle a crisis well, turns out we, we get some stuff wrong. Uh, we, we actually don't really know what we're doing. My, my son in pandemic taught me the phrase panic spamming. Have you heard of pa- come across no, panic spamming? That? So apparently it's what happens when people like you and me try and game with our kids or young people and we don't know what we're doing. So we just hit the keys as hard as we can in any order at random in the desperate hope that something good happens. Ah. And when he taught me that, I was like, oh, man, that is what I've been doing for like the whole of some of the most significant bits of pandemic. Like just like because we were reeling. Like I remember my son several times in the pandemic said to me, like, mom, when you was little and there was global pandemic, how did you handle it? And I'm like, mate, I have never done this before. I have no idea. And he's like, how is it like, how does this end, mom? What happens at the end? I'm like, "I, I don't know. I don't know what life post pandemic looks like. I've never done this before. And that's actually really hard for for young people, particularly the younger ones, because until this hit, adults were the people who kind of knew stuff. Yeah. Like like we're supposed to know what we're doing. And not only does it turn out we don't and we make mistakes, but a lot of young people will have seen their adults pushed to the absolute limit. You know, this has been so hard for so many people, whether it is grief bereavement loss whether it's work suddenly going crazy whether it's the the monotony and challenge of furlough and shielding and just losing all of that structure to your life whether it's homeschooling oh my goodness let's not go there that that was that was not good i mean in my household i would say that that i and my husband have probably managed a lot of things worse than our two kids did i mean i like to think that's because they had us and we didn't but because but they've had to see us pushed to the limit yeah. and that's been that's been hard for them that's actually really interesting so so most of the people uh, listening to this there'll be a few sort of wayward royalists who are still listening for some reason um but most people listening to this are coming from a youth work perspective probably working yeah. with young people in some uh, some context and many will be uh, coming from a faith context as well so headstrong is a, a faith-based organization um, and so your work is definitely faith informed. Mm. Um, so I guess my question is, what what is it that these young people that you've just described need from us and from from the church right now? Yeah, and and do you know what I I so love being able to answer this from a faith context because it's really hard to answer without that. 
And, and I think this season more than any has given us an amazing opportunity to talk to young people about a bigger story that's playing out, a bigger hope that they can have. You know, so much of pandemic has been about seeing the, the edge of, hum, of humans, you know, the limits of our knowledge, the limits of our control, the limits of our ability to solve stuff and make it better. It's the question of if, if all we have is human cleverness, are we in real trouble? I mean, I think we would be, but the good news is that isn't all we have. So talking to young people about that. So I think I would say there's there's three things that we can give to young people and that they need in this time. And number one is that security, that bigger context of saying that we are not just anchored in human wisdom. And when you do see the obvious limits and flaws of that, it's it's good to remember that there is more to this story, more to the future than just that stuff. So, so looking and talking to young people about how do you anchor yourself in a storm? And yeah, psychologically, that is about the anchor people in your life, you know, the go-to people who are just solid and dependable. Good psychological anchors like routine, rhythm, stuff that lifts your mood, all of that sort of stuff, which we will no doubt talk about in future episodes. But also, and most importantly, the fact that the best anchor in the storm is, is the one thing that is never, ever shaken, no matter what life is throwing at you, and that is God. Mm. And we can talk to young people about that and also model, like, what does that mean in practice? Like, for me, I would say I've had moments in pandemic of having to really go down to a kind of basic level. Like, what does it mean to root myself, not in my own identity, not in my job, not in my rhythm and routine, not in being able to, to control and do stuff for my kids. What does it actually look like in this moment to root myself in God? And, and that's been really interesting. And I think we can model that for our young people as well and talk to them in a world where there are so many voices telling them what they need to be happy and successful, but also telling them they probably won't be. Because like you say, the main story we hear about mental health is a negative one saying actually what what if there is a better story that we can teach them here i think one of the challenges for me as a as a youth worker uh, over the last year and a half has been has been how many young people actually who i had felt you know were pretty well connected with us and with their faith haven't leaned in to that faith during a moment of crisis um so i, I think there's a you know maybe it's maybe that's not the same experience for everybody and some people will have had the exact opposite effect but but i think a lot of young people and a lot of adults mm. have put the faith yeah. slightly on pause you know certainly you know the first few months of that proper lockdown that we had you know people were really um connecting with church online and faith online but but i wonder whether we've many people have taken a sort of year's holiday from faith yeah and in a way that's for, for people who have a faith, that's one of the big things we need to process, isn't it? Because the way that we express and live out our faith has been massively shaken. I mean, gosh, you think go back like two years and, and go and say to your average church leader, like, hey, in a few months time, you're not you might not be able to do church in person for 18 months. It's <laughs> like, no, sorry, that's that's crazy. So if your experience and your lived out version of faith was about going to church, going to festivals, going to conferences, then that that's going to have had to have changed. And as I say, that exploration of what does that look like? What does that mean? How do I develop in some ways? What is probably quite a good push for us, a deeper personal faith, 
something that is deeper rooted in God that can manage this, a storm like this. I mean, I think I've already said maturity sucks. That stuff's hard, but it's it's good work to put in in terms of the foundation and the routine that it gives us. And and I said the first thing young people need is security. The, the second, really, that we need too is that space, the, the spaces to have those conversations, to reflect on that stuff, to, to process it. And that, that could be space on your own, like walking, praying, meditating, listening to a great podcast, mm. um, reading, journaling. It's also about relaxed, informal space to have good conversations and, and just explore, like, what does this mean? A bit like we're doing here, really. You're, you're, it's Processing is like thought tennis. It's just bouncing thoughts around in your head and getting a rally going. And, and conversations like this can really help to do that. And I think like you and I are demonstrating the need that we all have for that right now. And young people will also have that too. What about those young people who, um, who don't seem to need any space to process and so on? In fact, I've had this experience. This is a live experience, um, example from my youth work where um, I've tried, as we've attempted to reconnect, as you say, with young people, um, to give that space and recognition to the fact that we've all been through a traumatic time and so on. And then I've had parents kind of email me afterwards and say, can you stop banging on about the pandemic, please? My child is actually a bit upset that you keep mentioning it. They're fine. They just want to move on. So how do you how do you hold those two things in tension? The fact there are some who really do need to talk about it, think about it, and some who actually just want to move on now and they're, they're actually pretty resilient. Yeah, and, and that's the third thing that young people need from us. So, And that's and it starts with S as well. I so well, like well that. I'm feeling like warm and fuzzy inside. It's sensitivity. And, and one of the challenges that we've had throughout the pandemic is holding difference. You know, people started coming out with these really annoying phrases, didn't they? Oh, yeah, we're all in the same boat. And then somebody said very wisely, oh, no, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Mm. And and you both want, slightly wanted to groan, but also like that that is really true. Yeah, and it is true. And you will have such a broad range across young people. And this is really where our models of mental health and, and well-being, to use a better phrase, although all of these phrases have become a bit jaded. I know... In my household, if you say the words mental health, literally three out of four, pe four people will groan and possibly start throwing things. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've got a bit fed up of hearing these phrases. But our con our understanding of those concepts has become too narrow. Mm -hmm. So that, <clears throat> that comes from both sides. So mental health is not about no emotions for a start. So if you are experiencing some anxiety or some sadness, so, so we, we lost a very loved cat in our household, mm -hmm. Martin, recently. And my son came home from school yesterday and started to cry and he said, Mom, I'm just feeling really sad about the fact that Louis's not here. And, you know, mental health is not some, just hitting things like that and not feeling those emotions. It is about expressing them, managing them, dealing with them well. So that's, that's one space, because a lot of the story we're hearing about mental health says, well, if you're experiencing an emotion like anxiety, you must be ill. But, but these are appropriate reactions. And, yeah. and coming out of pandemic, what's weird is our normal reactions to a very not normal season have been at times quite powerful and difficult. So that, that's, it's a complex space. But the other end of it is for young people who are hearing a story about mental health that says your generation is lost, your generation is struggling, and they're like, I actually feel okay. And, I, and suddenly I feel like maybe there's something wrong with me because I'm not miserable. 
And I think talking to young people about say, about happiness and thriving and, and trying to broaden that conversation about well-being so that they don't feel like what they're supposed to be is unwell and miserable and struggling, that's a good thing to do and to celebrate the good stuff in life. And, and, and perhaps that they have come through something that's really hard. You know, the, the third stage of processing trauma and tough times is that sort of closure moment when you can start to look back on it. And part of the processing is about getting you to that stage and celebrating the, some of the amazing things that young people have done through the pandemic and how well they have come through it and helping them understand, like, actually, why is it that they've done that so well? The skills that they have, the sense of humor they have, their flexibility, their creativity, because these are some of the reasons why I actually feel so optimistic about young people, about their generation and about their future, because they're amazing. And a, a lot of them have demonstrated that through probably the toughest 18 months that many of us as adults have ever had to face. Wow. So that's that's nearly it for Brave episode one. I thought, I'm just going to throw this at you now, that it might be helpful as we as we close each of these episodes. If you can distill everything you've just said you know, into sort of the one most important takeaway for youth leaders, might be your three S's, but you know, what, what do you think is, is the most important thing as we think about um, helping young people to be brave in the face of tough stuff? What's the Kate Middleton takeaway? I think that it is about recognising that to, to, to get through life well is not about avoiding tough stuff and it's not about avoiding difficult emotions. It's not about avoiding the, the, the sort of bad, the messy, the challenging stuff. It's about how do you deal with that when it happens? And it's about processing and working through that stuff really well. So this is a great opportunity for us all to learn more about that. Such a pro. I had not prepped her for that at all. Now, while we've been having this conversation, there has been a third member of this unholy trinity uh, in in the room, and it's our producer, Amy. Hello, Amy. Hello. We thought we'd give you the uh, mission of doing a fun close for the podcast. Right. And so you are in charge of what I'm, what I'm now calling <laughs> the fun Bringing the conversation close. down a level. <laughs> yeah, please. So what have you got for us? So I have found, I've scoured the internet and found a couple of, basically I found one of those quizzes that you'd find in uh, old school magazines that's titled how brave are you oh great so i'm gonna give you two scenarios and it actually has multiple choice so you don't have to it's not too much thinking involved um, and we're both answering yes you better both okay. have to give me your answers um and uh there's no real scale for judging how brave you actually are. So I'll just I'll just make a call. Okay, great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe the listeners can get in touch. The listeners, <laughs> as if we're on the radio show. Okay. <laughs> so uh, first of all, uh, this question is, okay, so the scenario is you're going shopping um, and you've got your, well, bag or wallet or some sort of valuable item with you and somebody um comes and, and grabs it and runs away with your possession um yeah uh so your three options are uh what would you do in this scenario would you chase them down and get your stuff back uh would you scream and shout until a security guard arrives uh, or would you quietly pray that he leaves the scene without drawing a weapon? Oh, yeah, wow. 
Oh. Yeah. I think the weapon thing comes because this was definitely an American website. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> ah, well, I mean, if I thought he might be armed, I'd probably be less courageous. Yes. I think, i tell you what would happen. I would do. I would, I would chase after him. And then if I actually caught up with him, I wouldn't know what to do because I would be indignant. Oh. I'd be indignant. It's feeling very line of duty. I've got this vision in my head of you like <laughs> chasing him down. Yeah, but I'd chase him down. But then I'd not knowing what to do. Yeah. I'd, and then yeah. I'd be like, excuse me, can I have my wallet back, please? <laughs> yeah. What would you do, Kate? Uh, I well, there's two possible options, but one of them is not on your list, so I'm just breaking on, all the rules. It. But yeah, is that it. I probably wouldn't even notice. Like my kids would say <laughs> that my brand is that I'm basically a bit of a shambles, and I am renowned for having like my bank card like tucked in with my phone and then dropping it. Or I like I don't even have a wallet. That's that's how much of a shambles I am. All of my valuables are basically like shoved in various random places <laughs> in a pocket or like left in my car. And I quite often leave things places and like find out weeks later. I hope there's that, no criminals listening yeah. to this podcast. So to be honest, <laughs> it could be a while before I even noticed it had happened. <laughs> but if I did notice, I'd like to think that I would I would probably just shout quite a lot. I'm quite an I'm very Welsh, so I'm quite loud. <laughs> so I think I would use my volume to my advantage. Yeah. Can you pronounce a winner to this? Yeah, I mean I think I feel like the correct answer for most amount of bravery is to run after the person. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I also deeply resonate with Kate's thing that she may- maybe wouldn't even notice. Because I think the same I'm not sure that's me. brave. I think it's no, many I, things. I think we have to crown Martin the winner. Uh, it's good to but start Kate's strong. answer was my favourite. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, second scenario. And this one is totally random, but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Uh, and again, it's American. So the original question I found on the website was, what would you do if an alligator wandered into your backyard? Oh, nice. But I've changed it to crocodile because <sighs> I feel like alligator is an American word. Is right. that true? Or is that they actually different things? I thought I you were just because like... I might be betraying In Bedfordshire, that was more likely. Yeah. Well, basically, this whole scenario is very unlikely. But just imagine... There is a alligator, zoo here, isn't there? Yeah, there crocodile could be tiger, impossible. any sort of deadly animal. Okay. okay wanders animal. into your back garden. Um, Next door's cat. <laughs> so would you lock every door of the house and hide in your bedroom? Mm-hmm. Uh, call animal control uh, to come and get get the crocodile slash alligator or spray it head on with repellent until it's scurried away. Do they make alligator oh, repellent? I love the idea that you know. might be so but on that, it that, that was... you would have alligator repellent in a cupboard somewhere. I, I, I don't know about the answer, but I want to be that person. That was one of the options. Alligator repellent. It seems like the most logical thing to do. When everybody knows that what you would do is take a photo for Instagram, because it's like, this is the most interesting thing that's happened to me in months. That should also be an option. But yeah, yeah well, I need your answers. I mean, first of all, I love your bravery, Amy, in... <laughs> Just when we asked you, look, prepare a quiz for us. And what you did was not only steal it from the internet, but just get full out, admit it. <laughs> I love that you did that. Um, I would probably run away. I'd probably leave the house and run as far. But let me just let me just give a wider context to that. I would do that if it was a large spider uh, or a sort of hornet or something like that. So there have been moments when fairly large insects have come into my house. Like, in fact, the other night I had like a big crane fly thing somewhere in my house. I could not sleep. I knew it was somewhere and I was worried I might eat it. So, um, <laughs> you know, because you eat spiders in your sleep. Um, so that you don't. I think that's a, a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. I hope uh, it's uh, a myth. So I'm just going to I'm just going to fall on my sword on this one and say I'm, I'm a coward and I would run away. 
Okay. okay. I mean, I am definitely closing the door if it's open, just, just to <laughs> yeah, be clear. Uh, but I want to go with the alligator repellent because I just love that. And I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of alligators, but I am being plagued by flies right now. And I did make a life decision yesterday that I'm going to buy some fly spray uh. because I think that's better than just generally shouting a lot <laughs> and being seen on all my Zoom calls like flapping at the air like a mad thing. So I thought Fair I'm going to do something constructive. So I'm going to go with with spray alligator Kate, repellent. Kate wins. Kate yes, wins. I think Kate wins that one. So you won one each. Well done, you are both equally Excellent. brave. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. <laughs> so, so that is it for the first uh, episode of Brave, our four-part podcast, looking at young people's mental health as we try to emerge well from the pandemic. We'll be back again uh, with another episode next time, uh, looking at the subject of control, but from Kate and myself, Martin Saunders. Bye. <laughs>